Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, my first guest today is chairman of Revolution Enterprises, an Illinois-based cannabis company. He's also led transformational efforts as the CEO of Tribune Publishing and publisher of the Chicago Tribune. This is like the second or third largest publishing company in the North America. I'm telling you, this is one top dog. Tony Hunter is a firm believer in adapting, evolving, and reinventing, and considers himself an agitator of change and a disruptor. I know that was evident when I interviewed him on my TV show, Executive Perspectives, a few years ago. I'm glad to have him back. In fact, we're going to be talking about disruption. Disruption, disruption, what's your function? How's that? Tony, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Great to be with you, Jeffrey. How are you today? I am doing great. So how the heck did you start up a cannabis (laughs) company in Illinois? Well, that's, uh, it's not clear. Uh, obviously, uh, most people ask that question. And uh, it started with uh, really a desire to be involved in a health and wellness sector. Uh, as I was leaving Tribune, I'm a big fan of natural homeopathic medicine. And I've had friends that have used cannabis as a medicine, and I've seen the benefits of that. And in my own family, there are cert- uh, we have certain diseases and conditions that it's been proven in other countries that cannabis can help uh, in terms of uh, helping with symptoms as well as long-term relief. And so I was, when I left Tribune, I wanted to go somewhere where my agitating uh, tendencies and my disruption uh, experience, you know, as you know, I was on the disrupted side. Some would yep. say I'm over budget in disruption. And <laughs> I love the fact that I moved from disrupted to disruptor. And yeah. so I found this as an opportunity to take my skills and experience to a small privately held company and help them pivot to be a much log- larger company and one that is uh, going to disrupt many sectors. So that, that's my story. I'm sticking to it, but I'm really excited to be with the Revolution team. Is it, uh, and I don't know enough about it. So on your side of it, is it a uh, digestible? Is it something you inhale? Um, is it something we apply? Is it drops? What, what are you doing? Well, all of the above, Jeff. We've uh, really worked hard at Revolution to uh, sell everything from flour to vapes, edibles, tinctures, and across all the delivery methods because we recognize that for all everybody that ingests something, they're going to want something that is as safe as possible for them. So we provide all those alternatives, and uh, we started in Illinois. We've now moved into Maryland. Arkansas, and we also own a license in Florida. So we're going to go from a one-state company uh, to a four-state company in 2020, and we're growing uh, double every year. And so it's it's a great opportunity for us. Speaking of growing, are you growing your own, or are you or are you cultivating it from other sources? Uh, we are a vertically integrated company. We believe in having the integrity in the supply chain, and one way to ensure that is to have control of that and to own the assets across the supply chain. And so uh, I just visited our cultivation center today and literally everything that comes out on those delivery methods comes from us and is, is grown by us. And we think that's a competitive advantage. And we think that over time, consumers are gonna wanna have that seal of integrity on the product, efficacy, 
dosing, all those things, just like you do with medicine. Uh, we believe that's where the cannabis industry is headed and revolution is focused on creating those competencies. Well, I think you're, I think you're spot on because you I mean, you can go into, you know, I was up uh, visiting my uh, father, my stepfather. Um, he has Parkinson's. We started giving him CBD oil and it's, it's, it's eliminated all of his shaking, all of his symptoms that he's had around that just by a drop under the tongue once a day, boom. You know, I'm not advocating, you know, you folks do what you got to do, but we did, we did that with, with, he's 90 years old and what a difference it's made in his life. But at the same time, I, I, I stopped in a little gas station and they're selling CBD oil and I'm going, man, I don't know that I want a gas station selling CBD oil and is it really CBD oil, right? You don't know. Yeah. And so I totally agree with you on that. I'm curious about your growing because listen, I grew up in Georgia and I knew in the mountains of Georgia, there was a lot of growing going on up there yeah. in, uh, in certain places. In fact, I used to have a neighbor who used to cut down trees to keep people from driving up the roads. And I had to go and I knew what he was doing. And I used to have to have right. a discussion with him like, hey, dude. <laughs> I live up here too. And, you know, quit knocking these trees down. You know? yeah. um, but I know what he was trying to do. He's trying to keep people away from his pot fields. But are you, so are you guys growing this in, in where in uh, not warehouses, but in hothouses? Uh, greenhouses. Or? Yeah. Greenhouses. We have yeah. a greenhouse facility in Illinois. We're in the process of doubling our capacity. Uh, we also do it in Arkansas. Um, and in Maryland, we just own a dispensary. So yeah, Jeff, we're really, uh, there's many ways to cultivate. We right now use the greenhouse uh, technology, if you will, uh, but we will use hothouses in Florida. We'll use all of those. But I think your your point about uh, regulatory is a is spot on, and the FDA and others are really studying CBD hard for this reason. And uh, we like to operate in limited license, highly regulated states. We believe that's where the cream of the crop and your operating excellence will become. Uh, a competitive advantage, and we we like those markets. We welcome compliance testing and regulatory oversight, because anytime you ingest something, you should have that kind of regulatory oversight, in my opinion. Yeah. So well, I, I, we, I we we like that we like that kind of environment, and uh, we're excited that it's slowly but surely moving to more states for medical, and then usually adult use follows that. You know, and, and I, I do too. There's, sometimes I don't like regulation, but I think you need to be able to have some of it. I mean, and some people are saying this marketplace, geez, let it go. Just let people, it's not going to harm anyone. So well, listen, folks, what happens if you're, you're smoking it? What happens if you then ingest it for either through the drops or edibles? Okay. And then you have some other medication. Uh, outside of that, how does that impact? I'm not saying it's going to. In the end, I think it's going to be pretty low key. But that's just my opinion. I'm not a doctor, so what am I? What do I know? But I think there's the ways that there, somebody should look. Somebody should look at this stuff. That's the reason why we have this, right? I think that's I agree, Yeah, I agree with hey, you. Let's take a quick break and I want to come back and talk to you about disruption because you're really leading that with this industry and, of course, in all the things you've done. We'll be right back after this quick message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back live right here on Facebook and LinkedIn as we are live casting all business with Jeffrey Hazlett. You know, we're on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network, and I'm talking to my good friend, Tony Hunter. He's the CEO of Revolution Enterprises, 
And he's a non-practicing CPA. Can you get that? He's been a publisher. He's been a CPA. I know a lot about this. You know, he, you were. Bo- I mentioned Georgia. You were born in Georgia. Your your vices are, are Reese's candy. I didn't know that. I got to remember that. We've been out for a couple scotches and steaks before, and I know that you got two grandsons. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff, thank you, man. Yeah. The best title ever. I think I can hold on to that title. My grandson's... I don't think they're going to fire me from that job. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I remember when you first, I remember I got mine, my grandkids, and then, and then shortly after you got yours and we, we had a lot of discussions about that. Hey, let's talk about as businesses open up, what should be the most important uh, thing that they issue that they deal with? And in what order is it, you know, do you think about, you used to run big operations. Is it about empathy, evaluation, confidence, transparency? I mean, what is it that they should focus on? Yeah, I, I, Jeff, this is, as you know, a very complicated uh, question because it depends where you sit and what industry. But I think, I, I think generally, I always start with employees. And yeah. uh, because at the end of the day, people have been through a shock. People have been uh, talking about disruption and change. And so I think as leaders, one of the most important things is to make sure safety of your employees, but also not just safety from a health perspective, but a safe environment to work in and to really, you know, be empathetic and supportive as they come back into uh, the job. But second, and giving them this transparency into what the plan is. You know, a lot of times you and I have talked about this, the plan's sort of in the vault and a few people know about it. I think in this case, people that are transparent, people that lay out the facts, and people that tell the employees where we're headed uh, and build good contingency plans. Yeah. Those are the people that are going to succeed. And those are not rocket science formulas, but they are difficult and time consuming. And as you know, as an operator, people are always on you to go, go, go. In this case, I would slow down to speed up is how I would describe this with a dimmer switch. In general, again, there are different answers for industries, but in general, I think those are some things I would think about. I know that you just outlined our entire plan. That's right. What we're going to do. We, we're going to have open discussions about it. Here's where we're going to go. This is what we think we're going to do. Let's checkerboard this thing to begin with, which means let's have people sitting in these desks, this desk, this desk on Monday, Tuesday. It's opposite of that. Wednesday, back to the same as Monday. And we're we're trying to figure it out. And then you know, we were even talking about, do you put uh, on someone's desk a red, you don't approach me, yellow, yes, green, no problem. And we finally decide, let people be people, figure it out. We'll figure it out, yeah. right? Yeah. And that creates, I, like that I think, idea. a whole new, yeah, I think that creates a whole new vibe and a whole new way to interact at work. And 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 that should be a good thing if it's handled properly and and people are treated and included in the solutions. I think that is, in my career, when I've been more inclusive, I've been more successful. It didn't take me long to figure that out. So surround <laughs> yourself with really good people and listen to them. And the answers are normally right around you. At least I have found that in my career. Yeah. Well, and if it's not the right answer, at least it's a start, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, you know, crises happen all the time. And in every challenge, there's also opportunities to be found. What what do, you, what do you see as opportunities right now and how can leaders prepare for that, Tony? Because you've been a really great leader helping other people do this for a long time as well, you know, in the business and out the business. What do you see as some of those? Well, I, 
I, I think the the notion of how people work together and how you take advantage of you know what worked while we were in the COVID situation. A lot of things worked, right? A lot of things yeah. shook up people's paradigms, Jeffrey, right? I mean, some people are like, you got to be in the office, you got to be in the office. I think, you know, there's been a lot of good learnings. And especially if you look at the Gen Xers, the millennials, not to label people, but the younger emerging leaders, you know, their eyes are wide open now. And I think, you know, how we work together and how we manage our workforce needs to take the pros and positives that came out of this. On the business side, I think if you're not digitizing your business by now, uh, I hope you are now because uh, if, if nothing else, this has accelerated the pace of disruptive <laughs> technology and digitization. So I might just be beating a dead horse, you know, coming from where I came from and publishing. But, you know, I think there's a tremendous upside in really taking the wind at your back and digitizing. And then last, I think companies should be diversifying their revenue streams. Because again, uh, people that had a singular or just a few uh, revenue streams and they got disrupted, we saw what happened to them. So I think there's some, you know, look back to learn, but move forward in an aggressive way and not in a uh, same old, same old, back to business as usual. I do not think that's, uh, that's going to happen. So yeah, everyone should go look at market uh, cartoonist, uh, markettunist.com, markettunist.com. Tom Fishburn did a great cartoon talking about digital transformation. It shows a big skyscraper with an office meeting going on in the corner office. And they're saying digital transformation is years away. I don't see our company having to change anytime soon. And then swinging towards it is this giant wrecking ball called COVID-19. And yep. it's just, funnier than hell. And it's so true. And I've been telling people, hey, days are days are weeks, weeks are months, months are years. You got to be moving fast. What you what you needed to do in the next year, you got to do in the next two months. And you know, and they really got to happen. You know, the other I love the other thing you talked about about what works, what doesn't work with workforces and being disruptive, you know, and you're one of those real revolutionary leaders, is for some employees, this worked out well for them. For other employees, they had difficult times with this and they're not performing right. at their optimum. Even though they're great, great employees, great people, you, we can see it. I see it. And so yeah. this means I'm going to have to have some very hard conversations with those team members. Like, yeah, work for you, but for you, didn't work. You need to be in the office. You know, right. this was bad for you. And, uh, and it shows. And everybody knows about it. Everybody sees it, you know. Right. There are no secrets. We all know that there are no secrets in uh, performance. And I, um, I agree with you, uh, Jeffrey. What, what, what I think we all have to just realize is everybody's different. Different roles require different uh, skills and different uh, location. And some people thrive on the interaction with their colleagues. Some people are charismatic and in person, they lift their teams. There's just a number of things. The point I'm trying to make is we should look at all these facts and we should take the good things and we should take the bad things and learn from them and not just get back to BAU. I, I just, yeah. I think that's the, the fear I would have in a large company is everybody's like, okay, time to make the donuts. We're back, right? Time to make the donuts. <laughs> right. yeah. when, when we should be taking time to learn and address this. And I just want to point out on the performance side, I, I couldn't agree with you more. There are certain 
tough discussions that I'm sure will be happening across industries. And I think the important thing is to have those. And a lot of times, again, we we don't want that conflict and we just kind of act like it's okay, but everybody else knows it. So if you don't address it, you're actually harming your high performance morale because they know. And I think that's a, you and I've had this discussion over dinner before. It's one of the toughest jobs as a leader, but uh, hey, that's what you signed up for. Yeah. Oh, totally. Well, speaking of what I signed up for, let me take a quick break. I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and uh, watching us and listening in as we are doing a live cast right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you. I'm Tony Hunter. He's the CEO of a revolutionary company. I'm telling you, he's just he's making it happen. It's like crazy with all the stuff that they're doing. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it. We've been talking about disruption. And Tony, let me talk a little bit more about disruptive in the cannabis industry, because this is a fairly profitable business um, that I've been able to see across the board. Almost all the companies that I see, the American cannabis companies say that 90%, 90% of the dispensaries, wholesale cultivators, the infused products companies report they're profitable. Are you seeing that? Yeah, it's a, um, it's a very lucrative business model. Uh, there are a lot of upfront costs, capital intensive. You, you know, a lot of people don't associate uh, that with cannabis. But as you know, from where you grew up and your background, you know, the agricultural business has a lot of capital investment behind it. And that's basically what we're doing and standing up these facilities. So I think, you know, from an EBITDA standpoint, uh, you clearly can find your way with dispensaries there quickly, cultivation centers, you know, that the overhang we all have is corporate and having been in both corporate and operating, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think after you get over the growth investment, this is a very lucrative business. It's a business that has uh, a long tail to it because you can expand, you can be vertically integrated, you can just do dispensaries. And more importantly, uh, we're working hard right now on making sure we grow in a thoughtful, strategic way so that we are profitable. The investment community has shifted in the cannabis. It was the exuberance at the beginning, as you know, Jeffrey, where everybody thought it was the next gold rush. And I think now investors are looking for companies that are uh, provide predictable returns and deliver on their promises and are profitable. And so uh, the cannabis industries responded well to that, in my opinion. So we're talking with Tony Hunter, the founder of, uh, well, Tony Hunter, Inc., TWH Inc., and then the chairman of Revolution Enterprises. It's a very capital intensive business on the cannabis side. Are we starting to see the folks focus in on putting more money back into the business and starting to see the, the ramp up? Is it worth it? Yeah, I, I think the return on investment, even in the short term, you know, I came from a capital intensive business in the publishing industry. And near the end, we wanted 18 month returns, right? Pay off yeah. in 18 or less, right? Which right. is unbelievable. Well, but right. in this in this sector, those are not unheard of. I mean, those yeah. are, and for a growth industry, that's, that's pretty good. And yeah. uh, so I, I see a lot of opportunity to, to have investments pay off in the near term. And I think companies that get to operational excellence at scale, those are the companies that then become, you know, real players in the industry, which creates long-term opportunities uh, from an asset standpoint. So, you know, there, there's a, uh, a lot of ramp-up activity that is required, but once you reach scale, 
the business has high returns and the return on invested capital is also very good. Well, and this is going to be into the billions and billions and billions of dollars. People don't understand how big this industry is going to be and how quick how quickly it's going to grow um, across just not the United States, but worldwide. I happen to be on a board of a publicly traded cannabis company out of Canada where it's been legal for years. And the impact that's that's there is unbelievable. What what would be the thing that would slow you down right now and all of your disruption that you're doing with this and then just in general, what, what's slowing you down? Well, I, I, I would answer that maybe in three ways. One, obviously, with all startup companies and startup industries, it's capital, right? And yeah. with, with capital, you have this headwind. You know, normally emerging industries get some love, right? They get a little wind at their sales. We didn't get that. I mean, federally, it's illegal. No, okay. No, you've been so, fighting it. And, and by I, the way, and then you got to get it by state, federal, and then it's a state. And then it might even be local municipalities, right? There you go. So, so yeah. I think the headwinds on capital are, are real. And the Safe Banking Act that we've been advocating for is really important. If that happens, I believe access to capital will be better and we won't be in a starved situation. So that's one part of this. Uh, I think the other part is really to make sure that we deliver products that are safe and that we educate people about cannabis. And then third, uh, federal law making it illegal still scares away many investors. It's, it's an overhang to the industry. So those are all headwinds. But from where I sit as an operator, this is a great business. It is a business if you build it right and you focus on operational excellence and you have great people, this has a very, very good future ahead of it. But we, we do have headwinds, Jeffrey, and most of it is in the capital environment that we're in. It's a liquid. Uh, we can't get a lot of, we can't get any federal money, anyone associated in the finance area that's federal, national. So those are headwinds, but again, we're a small company. We're just, we, we did not grow too fast. We took the opposite approach. Let's get it right in Illinois, and then let's replicate Illinois in other states. And that's what we're going to do in 2020. As I say it, step and repeat. You're doing a great job. Step, repeat, crawl, walk, run. You're moving to run fast, especially if you can turn around that capital investment in less than 18 months. That's just awesome. Hey, Tony, thanks for joining us right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hayes. It's been a pleasure. Jeff, always a pleasure to see you. Way to go, Grandpa. All right, good to see you. <laughs> thanks, Grandpa. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. <laughs> the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. I'm going to get to that with Tony Hunter in just a second. But my next guest coming up, and make sure you listen in, is Chad Burmeister. He's the CEO of ScaleX.ai. We're going to talk about AI and sales. Uh, but with Tony, I tell you what I learned today or what was reinforced for me. He mentioned about talking about overcoming headwinds. And man, in the cannabis business, they got them. They got regulatory headwinds. They've got public perception headwinds, education, you know, medical, all kinds of different headwinds. What are yours? What are your headwinds? What are the things that are slow you down? What can you get in front of or advocate, push, change, disrupt? What do you got to do to, you know, cut through that headwind uh, so that you're not pushed back further than you are ahead? That's what I learned today on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Don't forget, tell your friends. It's exciting to have you here with us on C-Suite Radio. My next guest combines the power of AI, stale strategies, and technologies to dominate the market. 
Chad Burmeister is the CEO of ScaleX.ai, and he's responsible for building the next generation AI for sales company. Business stops for no one, and Chad is certainly putting pedal to the metal to get to more sales and increase the bottom line. And in, during this show, we talk about how to get the F up. And I want you to listen in and find out what the F means is not what you think, okay? Chad, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Fantastic to be here. Can't stop, won't stop. Good to see. Oh, I love that. I tell you, tell us about ScaleX and what it what is it that what is it that it really does? I know, but let's tell everybody else. Yeah, you know, it, sometimes I confuse myself with what it does uh, because it, it's pretty powerful uh, piece of machinery that we're seeing. Yeah, are you real or are we talking to an <laughs> yeah, AI machine? Yeah. That's what it's I want to know. I like to hold the book up, you know. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that looks good. Yeah, you, that's you good. Never for those of you see, he's got he's got a little cyberborg robot on the front cover, and he's holding up to his real face. So those okay. that are listening in, because we want want you to know what we got. Yeah. So what's so the company do? We provide three things, data, digital, and dials. So a lot of organizations that have traditionally hired sales development and business development representatives, it's costly. It takes a long time to ramp these folks to do outbound selling and they're not very efficient. So having run a lot of inside sales organizations for nearly two decades now, uh, we've figured out a way to be about 10 times more effective in outreach and outbound sales strategy. So that's what we're doing. And uh, interestingly enough, as COVID hit the country and the world, uh, our inbound has gone through the roof. Uh, everybody yeah. needs more meetings and more pipeline, and, and it's just a great time to be at ScaleX. That's fantastic. So how, how is AI changing and innovating the sales industry? How's it being used? Yeah, well, like I said, a lot of companies have uh, have had inside sales teams. And yep. what's happened over the last 30, 60 days is that those teams have been reduced in size. So I have one customer that's out of Boston that, that let 38% of its entire team go, sales and marketers. And now when the economy starts to get back online, they're, they still have the same numbers to hit. So they need to develop enough, the, the right amount of pipeline, the right amount of bookings. They can't do it with their current team and they can't hire fast enough. So they're calling us saying, hey, what virtual capacity do you have to help us fill the gap in the trade shows that were canceled, in the buying that was, that was canceled and slowed down? Uh, so they need to accelerate things and, and that's exactly what we're helping them do. So why would, I mean, I, I find it hard. I'm actually hiring more salespeople now than letting salespeople go. I had two new ones start today and um, in the middle of all this and got more coming uh, down the line. Why would you let off all those salespeople? Just a cash flow thing for most people? Um, well, it depends on the industry that you serve. So if you're selling mm -hmm. into restaurants and that's your yeah. primary market, then obviously you're gonna go down. And if you're selling into companies like RingCentral as a customer, they and Zoom video, um, as, you know, as the economy did what it did, they're, you know, if you watch Zoom's earnings this last week, they doubled their sales and they're going to double for the rest of the year. So we saw some companies move up dramatically, some move down. The ones that freak me out a bit are the ones that should be selling in this market and aren't because they're just scared of what's going on. There's, and that's, yeah. the, you know, those are the ones that I'm most worried about. 
As, as am I, you know, uh, as part of the Hero Club and our C-Suite network, we're pushing pretty hard to drive and thrive. Don't sit in the couch. You, you know, even if you're doing something in terms of how do you help your customers? See, I would take my salespeople and say, okay, let's get on the phone and just say, hey, how can we help you? Who can we introduce you to? How can, how can we, you know, facilitate you doing more? And by doing that, the more you give, the more you get. We've always seen that. What, what do you say to all the the AI naysayers, because there's a lot of them out there that go, oh my gosh, nothing will replace a real person. Nothing will replace, you know, a belly rubbing sales guy or or belly rubbing sales gal. So what do you do to convince them to take the next step? Great, great question and exactly correct. Um, My new CMO started a month and a half ago and he is adding a slogan that I think you'll appreciate as a great marketer and it's called delightfully human. (laughs) <laughs> so think, think, well, that's of, cool. Think of this, right? It just, because yeah. this is under the skeleton uh, of you as a good seller. If we can equip people with more meetings, uh, take away the heavy duty research that they're doing on data and, and, you know, move, move the line in the sand up of the work that the seller has to do because the AI can do it better, faster, cheaper than we're going to make humans more delightfully human so they can do what they should be doing. Which do the is real stuff. like this, doing the real yeah, stuff. Yeah, do the real stuff. I mean, I, this morning I had to input about five or six, um, you know, um, uh, opportunities into uh, we use Salesforce and I'm going like crap, you know, why yeah, can't I have right. this automated? Why can't why I have can't certain things that are, yeah. So I can well, do the I, things I want to do more and more and more. Right. And I'll give you an example. There's a, there's a new AI technology we've been beta testing for about eight months now across 10 different customers. So let's say you have a list of 500 target accounts. Like I need to get into, you know, Boeing and Tesla and X, Y, and Z. Well, traditionally you'd send emails, you do phone calls, and you might only get 1% penetration into a list of 500 by going direct. When you go indirect and you run a sort through LinkedIn, for every 1,000 connections you have on LinkedIn means you have a million second connections. No human could ever go in and figure out of those 1,100,000 people who could get me a meeting with Boeing and Tesla and et cetera, et cetera. The AI within seven to 12 minutes of you clicking the go button tells you beyond a reasonable doubt who has social proximity to those 500 buyers And then we execute the emails to the influencers to say, hey, Jeff, it looks like you have a good relationship with uh, anyone in the C-suite network or anyone that you know. And if I ask you to get the intro, I'm 181 times more likely to not only get a meeting, but sell a deal. So that's that's Mm. the power of AI. It's going to make us more delightfully human so that we can be better. I think this economy rebound will be faster than ever because of things like AI right? It used to take a lot longer to pull out. And I think this time's going to be a lot faster. Well, let me, let me come back to that. Cause I got a question just around that and the need for human connection. I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Everyone, we are live. We're back right here on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazen on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And we're talking with Chad uh, Burnmeister, the CEO of ScaleX.ai. These guys are automating sales in a massive way. And so, Chad, with automation and AI replacing a lot of jobs, do you think it will ever have the capacity to make all the right decisions or will there always be need for human connection? 
Mm, as far as I can see into the future, human oversight is extremely important. Uh, yeah. For example, if you're going to build a list of data and it looks at your current closed one deals, well, guess what? If it was looking at my last 12 months of closed one deals, COVID changed, it would have kept telling me go to go after a certain data set. Yeah, when, or go after restaurants, like you yeah, said right. earlier. Exactly. Yeah, go after restaurants. Oh, you're booming in restaurants, but yeah, oh, that's not good. That's now, not good. Or, or hair care centers, like, or nail salons or whatever. And that would have told you that data. Oh, good point. Yeah, so hum, human intervention required. Um, you can make a lot more intelligent decisions with AI but I think what it means is a different level of skill set, right? You don't need the person that just powers through and, and punches through sales. You need a smart intellectual person, which honestly is an interesting topic. I think women in sales has been a big push over the last several years. And now more than ever, empathy is more important. And guess who has higher levels of EQ? <laughs> so, sorry yeah. to say, it's not me. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's a, well, I'm not going to say, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to reinforce that one. Hey, yeah, yeah. so talk to me about your formula. Revenue equals frequency times competency. Yeah. So I learned this from a, a mentor of mine named Skip Miller. He's written five or six books. He was one of my first sales mentors, trainers right out of school. And so he always says, early in your sales career, frequency, right? More calls, more emails, more dials, all of it is important because your competency isn't there yet as an entry-level salesperson. So whenever I'd hire entry-level salespeople, I, was always, I would always say, hey, get the F up, <laughs> right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we need your frequency up. The only way to build competencies your F is up. to I love fail that. as much as you can, right? Fail fast, yeah. learn, and, uh, and that'll move your competency up, so. Well, I'm always about that. You know, I'm, I'm like the more you, more, you, you know, it's like fail fast. No, I want to win fast, but to win fast, you got to fail fast. So, so let's just hurry up and get it out of the way as fast as you possibly can, you know? Yes. Yes. So let's talk about, um, I'm, I'm really curious how you leverage AI augmentation with sales teams. And so, um, how, how do you do that? And then also I want to talk about that with the ones that don't have access to sales or biz dev reps. How do I do that first? And then I want to understand how do I integrate this in my own group? Yeah. So let's think about it. If you don't have a sales development team, traditionally, in order to hire someone to do outbound for your company, you'd have to carve out a lot of quota. So think about that. If a rep costs you $100,000 a year, all in, by the time you pay for technology, management oversight, the labor, all of it, it might be hundred grand. So you're a business person and a business leader. How much quota would you have to assign to take on a hundred thousand dollar cost? Typically, it's about five hundred thousand bucks. I was right? going to say five hundred to a million is what yeah. I would want. Yeah, five hundred to a million. So you couldn't afford that. And so a lot of traditional industries like insurance sales, different FinServe, they they don't even know what an SDR or BDR is because they can't afford five hundred thousand dollars of top line revenue. Well, now you go to them and say, hey. What if I could show you a way that a virtual admin, a virtual AI augmented, not person, but, you know, AI could deliver the same or more, in fact, 10 times more volume and touches than a person could. And instead of spending $7,000 a month for a person, you could spend $500 a month. Well, 6K times five or 10, now you take on 50 or 60K of quota. Yeah, that's a rounding error. So I think what you're going to see over time is that all those tech companies who've used these $100,000 resources, we've already 
paved the path for this. Now all these other industries can finally say, okay, what, what should I do? And the answer isn't go hire a hundred thousand dollar resource. It's, it's right. leverage AI and humans combined to dominate your market. Wow. So let's go back. You're holding, holding up your book, hold it up again. So everybody can see it. Cause I want to make sure everybody can see it. And we got that it's AI for sales. Make sure that you check out his book, AI for sales. So you, you once talk about in an interview that you did a book in 50 days. So how the heck did you do it? Yeah. Well, did you, did you use AI? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Not on that one. The AI wasn't around to write that book, but truth be told, it was a work in process for 12 years. Yeah. I just never got around to putting the pen to paper. So I built all the chapter headers. I built a lot of fill-ins and then Gerhard Schwatner from Selling Power was oh, kind of challenging. Awesome. Gerhard. Gerhard yeah. is awesome. Selling yeah, Power magazine for years. I've known him for 30 30, at least 30 years, and maybe longer. Awesome. He just texted me a, a picture of uh, a meeting he had. It was a letter uh, for his interview he did with Donald Trump in 1997. And yeah. it said, uh, Donald Trump sent the thank you letter. And it said, hey, thanks for something that he gave to Eric, my son, who was probably in his early 20s at that point. But, uh, but you know, Gerhard was, was good enough to actually follow through with a gift. Um, and, and Donald was smart enough to say thank you for the gift. So for, actually in 1997, Eric, I know Eric, Eric would probably have been about maybe nine or 10. Oh, wow. I was off yeah. by a decade. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, well, maybe he might've been, uh, maybe he might've been 12 or 14. He might've been that age, but not much more than that. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, hey, let's I got take, off your question. What remind me of your initial well, question? Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break and come right back and we'll finish it up because I want to talk about books. We'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back live on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn as we bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazlett talking with Chad Bernmeister, CEO of ScaleX AI. Before the break, I asked him uh, about doing a book in 50 days and how to get that done. And then I also want to know, has it been effective for you as a marketing tool, as a business leader? Yeah. So get the book in 50 days, like I said, it, it, it was 12 years in the thought process. And then when I said, let's go, let's go. So Gerhard challenged the sales director on my team. Hey, if, you, if you're thinking you want to do something, why don't you just do it? So he had her visualize this thing for 30 minutes and was buying a house on stilts in Galveston with a boat that seats more than four people. Because right now they drive to Galveston on the weekends and they have a ski-doo or a little two-person thing. And so he got her to visualize that. Well, I'm sitting next to my son going, wait a second, I've been wanting to write a book for 12 years. Why haven't I just done it? Dreamforce was coming up in 50 days. So I sent an email to everyone I know and said, hey, Gerhard and Craig Kleeman and Chris Beal, please send me a chapter and I'll put you in a book and it's going to be published in 50 days. One domino fell and then the rest of them fell. And that's how we crowdsourced sales hack and got it out within 50 days in time for Dreamforce. So has it been effective? Oh man, let me tell you, that book is still on about three companies' websites, Connect and Sell where I used to work. It's mm -hmm. a little link at the bottom and it creates a lot of leads from people who want to download and read that book. Um, I did the same thing with this one. My business in March of 2019 had a slow month. And I said, okay, what can I do to, to re recover from the slow month? Well, why don't I sell some 
sponsorships, right? So if you really right. look on the bottom there, there's three oh, companies there they are, yeah. on the cover that spent ten dollars to $15,000 each to be part of the book. And, you know, when you're self-publishing, uh, there's quite a lot of profit margin hidden in there in the ten dollars to $15,000 sponsorship. So, Oh, without question. But it also helps you get it up because the upfront cost of that, of getting those out and published, of course, they're, you know, they're easy to do on demand, but it does take you some money to get it, get the editor, get, if you have an editor, if you need yes. that, but, to, yes. but to, to buy those first uh, couple thousand of those books to get them out, you know? Yeah, the best part is Discover.org, who bought Zoom Info, who just went public a few days ago, is an $18 billion market cap yeah. company. So they were one of the sponsors. We shipped them a, pa sorry, two pallets of books. So they continue to hand out physical books and we continue to get leads from that process. So if you can get a sponsor and you can get them to order a thousand or 2000 copies, Oh man, your brain gets out there a lot. Well, I did that. That's one of my goals always is when I'm doing books is to how to pre-sell, you know, I pre-sold my last book, like 85,000 copies. That's the way to do it. And you just start, you, you dial for dollars or I would use scale X dot AI and that's how I would do it. Hey, one last question. Um, you, you, since I've known you and got to meet you and you've been involved with the C-suite network, I've known that you've had a, a optimistic mindset. So why is that more important than ever before? Mm, man, there's so many sides to the coin right now, right? The key is it's not us and them. It's you have to look at 360 degrees because there's no yes or no. There's all different variations. So I happen to have belief in a higher power. And to me, that's what... Uh, gets me through the hard times. And I go to sermons like Elevation Church just this weekend was titled, I'm Tired. And he talked about the different 360 perspectives. And he shared how yep. God and Jesus were tired too. And it's okay right. to be tired. And think of people who have been oppressed for 45 years. We're, we've been in this for a couple of weeks. Hey man, that's okay. Be tired, but also don't be exhausted and be optimistic because we know who wins in the end. Yeah. And, 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 and just like a workout or just like we played sports or just like, you know, we do a lot of things. They're not easy to do. They're hard to do. And remember those days in sports when you were working out and doing it and you thought you were going to die. You mm. never did. Right. Never the same did. thing here. It's our, you know, you can push through it. We got to make it happen, especially with all the stuff we're seeing right now. We have to push through it. We have to speak up. We have to have our voice and we have to help other people get through it. Chad, That's what right. a pleasure talking with Chad Mernmeister. He is the CEO of ScaleX.ai. Check that product out. I mean, this is a top-notch guy and a top-notch company. Love the product. Um, you've got to see about utilizing it. So make sure you check it out, ScaleX.ai. Chad, thanks so much for being right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. Thank you, Jeffrey. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned, and, and I learned a lot in this show as well. You know, there's a lot of naysayers on AI. You got to have it all personal. Nope. There's some things you can cut through and make it work for you. And I think uh, what I liked was their new slogan, delightfully human, huh? How to take AI and make it delightfully human. That is to have a human-like experience or to take the, the, the drudgery, the repetitive things and things that, you know, you can cut through and make those AI. I thought that was great. And then how to get the F up your, your frequency. I love that. I love to tell people, I'm going to go call on my salespeople right now and say, Hey, get the F up. <laughs> 
get your frequency up. That is get more outbound calls, more outbound calls, more appointments, more great conversations, more connections, more networking. That's how you get your F up right there. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. And check us out and check all the other shows right out here on C-Suite Radio. We'd love to have you listen in to more. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.